The key to your success is the mobility, and that's what you built the business on, the relationships, and then the key to growing and scaling is letting go and giving others all the tools. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to SOS, a live call-in help show with me, your host, Sonia Rasula, founder of Unique Markets. Each week, I answer some of the most pressing questions from entrepreneurs, small business owners, and creatives. So get ready for real talk and tangible advice as I answer questions from business owners around the world. Plus, this season, you can watch each episode on YouTube, where you'll be able to see me break down guests' websites, branding, social media, and more. And it's all live. Hashtag awkward. The reason this podcast exists is because the fact is most businesses will not make it to five years. I've had multiple businesses for over a decade now, and I really want to make sure that you have long-term success. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. So tune in weekly as I help business owners face their sh**. Today's guest has both her brows and her business on point. Susie Maldivan is the founder of Flybrow, a company that brings expert eyebrow waxing and shaping directly to you, whether at home, at work, or at a private event. In fact, companies like Hulu, LinkedIn, and Condé Nast are some of the clients that have worked with Susie and Flybrow. The business is wildly successful and very, very lucrative. However, Susie needs direction on how to expand, and she is burning the candle at both ends by herself. So in order to scale, she needs my help. In today's episode, we cover everything from franchising to scaling, product development to creating a company legacy, and how to actually enjoy the success as a founder. Well, welcome, Susie, to SOS with Sonia Rasula. I am super excited to have you. So tell us your name, your company, and then what the dilemma is that I can help with. So my name is Susie Moldovan, and I started a company called Flybrow. It will be five years in May. And basically, Flybrow is a mobile eyebrow business. We were started very organically. I was a single mom and needed to be able to work and be with my kid. And so getting a job in a salon was just not really realistic. So I started doing like mommy and me groups and like girls nights out and girls nights in and things like that, which led slowly to sorority houses, which then led me into businesses. People were at work and like tech companies who get it, who are trying to bring in services, you know, Twitter and Snapchat and Salesforce and LinkedIn and Google, like we started going into all those companies and we would book a day and go and do people's brows at work. So instead of me sitting in a salon between nine to five, I was going to people at work between nine to five. So it was amazing and it was great and it made so much sense and people loved the sort of solution, the work-life balance solution that we were providing. Wow. And brows is like an annoying errand. It's like you need it, but it's not like a massage or a manicure. You don't luxuriate in getting it done. I mean, it's still still taking hair off your face, but basically um, that's, and that's how we operated for the first four years. We slowly started to like fold new companies in and we just kept growing. And then we got Viacom and then we got just like a lot of really big companies. 
And then COVID happened and people stopped going to work. So instead of solving the work-life balance, I had to kind of figure out a way to bring the service safely to the customer without having a space. So we didn't have a place to operate. And there were definitely moments where I thought we should get a space, like maybe now's the time we should just stop being mobile, but it's really in our DNA to be mobile and it allows me to be in different cities. So what we've done now, well, so I created a Flybrow at home appointment during like high COVID where I was doing Zoom brow appointments, which was amazing. And I wouldn't have believed it would have worked before then. <laughs> but um, then what sort of happened now that places are opening and things are opening is we are partnering with small businesses. So now we're small business helping small business. Okay. And we are going into salons and we are going into clothing stores like retail. I kept thinking like, who needs our help? We bring about 20 people in every time we have a pop-up. So like who needs that foot traffic to convert them into their customer? Yeah. So that's what we've done now. So now Flybrow, we go into either salons or stores, retail spaces. Um, we were partnered with Kiehl's, which in June will be back into their stores. So we're going, we're getting back to it, but we don't go to businesses anymore because people don't go to work. So now, yeah. but we're still in different cities. So we still go to San Francisco, Orange County, San Diego, Los Angeles. I mean, you name it. Okay. So I'm intrigued because... Man, there's so much there. Okay, first of all, congratulations for constantly pivoting, <laughs> figuring out how to do that. Yes, both of us, like, high five to you. How do you staff the business? Because you said you just said that you're in all these different cities. So how do you staff the business? And then I know that one of your big questions is around potentially franchising. So I'd love to kind of take a deep dive into that too. But yeah, so how many staff do you have? Like what's the makeup of the company right now? So it all goes hand in hand, every question you just asked basically. So <laughs> essentially all the people in all those different cities is kind of me, which leads me okay. to I'm also so tired, okay? But I do have three artists that work for me and one assistant and I'm just bringing on a social person because I was doing that too. Okay. Um, so, um, but, but artist wise, so basically I was teaching a class called Flybrow Academy and I partnered with Dermalogica at the International Dermalogica. Amazing. It was amazing because they teach aesthetics. Wow. Nobody was teaching eyebrows. So Jane Werwand is actually one of my biggest mentors. She started Dermalogica. I love her. She's the best. Love her. So she actually allowed me to teach my first class there. And then I made connections and relationships. And she's, I still have lunch with her like once a year. Um, she's incredible. So that was my first foray into teaching brows, which then I realized, okay, this is how I grow my business. So I started teaching Flybrow Academy. So anyone that took the class, which was in person back then, could apply for a job and go through deeper training with me. Got it. Now, okay. in COVID times, um, I just recorded the class to be something that I sell online. Mm -hmm. So this is like multifaceted because I want to sell the class, but I don't want to just sell it and like lose all those people and send them into the ether of the aesthetics world. I kind of want to capture them. I'd love to capture them in like to get Flybrow certified and then be eligible to have your own flybrow. Like we just got an, a text the other day from a girl in Pennsylvania. She's like, how do I run flybrow Pennsylvania? Yeah. The answer is, I don't know. But what I see, so if like I take my braille brain out of it and I just go big picture with it, what I see is I teach people everywhere, artists who are licensed, 
how to run a flybrow in their city. I will tell you this business is amazing because it's very low overhead. So I do have three artists. They've all been trained by me. One lives in San Francisco, one's in Orange County, and one is here in LA. And so they work their region and they work it with me and they've been trained by me. But what I know by doing that is it takes a lot to train someone to the level that I need them to be at. So it's not just you take the class and you do the training. It's like a lot of of practice. Practice is everything. Right. And so from a business standpoint, once those people are trained, they are giving you a commission or are they currently your employees? Okay. So the way it works right now is that we book it at a 70-30 split, so which turns into a 50-50. So um, they... So I book all their appointments and we do all the marketing and we handle everything. They're booking because of our name, Flybrow. And um, when they work, they make 30% of all their services and we make the 70. But they make 100% of their tips and we pay all credit card fees. So by the time I pay them out, it's really 50-50. So if, if she makes 600 for the four hours that she works, she gets paid about 300. Okay. I mean, $600 for four hours. Oh, we're doing like, I can make about 2,500. What am I doing here? No, no. I mean, it's, that's what I'm telling you. It's a lucrative business. Like I could, and on a really good pop-up, I could do like 2,500 in a day. Yes. And all of the work that you've done up until that point, including web presence, social media presence, marketing relationships, like you can't discount all of that. So yeah, amazing. Okay. So your question that you had had, I think was really around franchising. Like, should you franchise, right? Or like, what's the question? So it's scaling and it's all handholding because it's scaling and franchising because I can see this big picture franchise thing, which is like, Mm -hmm. I can see that I can, I can create a way for other people to feed themselves in this business that I already know how to run. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I want to sell Flybrow Academy, but I don't want to just sell it and then have people take it and then run like Sally's Beauty Shop having taken Flybrow Academy. Right. And I lose them. Right. Of course. Which is a great gut instinct. <laughs> so, okay. I have a lot to say about the subject because, so I franchised Unique Markets and then the pandemic hit. So, you know, interesting timing. But even without the timing, I am going to say something that I wish someone had said to me before I went down the road of franchising. You can just license. Yeah. Right? So you probably already know that, but aren't, but like when you're in the process of trying to figure out how to grow and scale your company and you have this idea of franchising, you can also instead license. And I wish that there had been a book out there or information out there, but there wasn't. And I still don't think there is. Like maybe I need to write that book. You might need to write it. So tell me the difference a little bit. I know the difference franchising and licensing. Yeah. I mean, so I'm not going to, I'm going to do a real top level, like a personal difference because now that I've been through it, there are lots of legalities, right? And that's really, those are kind of the main differences. But when you come down to it at the end of the day, you are loaning your brand, the branding, the use of the name, being that person being able to represent your brand to someone somewhere, right? So at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. And you can do that through licensing, 
Mm-hmm. You can do that through franchising. Franchising is the one that tends to get the more market share and the more buzzwords and like we read in magazines like top franchises to buy into, you know, and a franchise for everyone listening is like McDonald's. Anyone can, well, you need millions and millions of dollars, but anyone can start a McDonald's in their neighborhood. And they're, they're essentially licensing the brand. They're learning everything about how to run and operate the business. And so this is for the other entrepreneurs that you will be licensing to, this is the great thing for them. They instantly get brand recognition. They get all of the value and all of the time and energy you've put into it. And they learn how to run a business without having to make all the mistakes. So that's the pros for them. For you, when I franchised my company, I did not know what I was doing. So I used a franchise like consultant. It cost me tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. I'm going to throw that out there. So I'm going to talk real numbers here because I do think this is helpful for people. By the time I spent the money on the consultant, who, granted, gave me very valuable information, but the most valuable information that he provided was the giant Excel sheet, which was really intense, by the way. Like, I never could have done that because you're projecting. The legalities... When you license or franchise, right, either one, you have to have everything in order for the people that you are handing off to. And so the government wants to make sure that you aren't scamming people. Good, which is good for them. Like that need, those things need to be in place. The real reason why at the end of the day, I probably spent, and then also I had a a full-time team member on it. It's a big salary. I probably spent upwards of $150,000 before lawyer's fees. So honestly, like if I'm being honest, I probably spent over, because it was a two-year period, by the way, also. It was a long time to just like get it, figure out how to do it, go through the process, the legal, all the legal paperwork that you have to do. It's like, it's such a process. So all things said and done, I probably spent about $165,000 to $170,000. That's without anyone signing up. But me thinking like, you know, I'm going to recoup my money. And when, you, and when we looked at the giant Excel sheet, it was great. I would recoup my money, but more importantly, help share this way to make money for other people, right? Then the pandemic hit. So the thing is, franchising is going to cost you much more money because it's state by state. So, you know, in America, every state has different laws. Some of the states, you can franchise a company for free, but many of them you cannot, and you have to get the special license. Okay. So, And then here's the catch. It's just like, uh, leave it to the government to figure out ways to make money. So the catch is, you know, I buy the license for California, but you have to pay and renew every single year. This is crazy to me. So for the ability to have a franchise in California... And for the ability to potentially sell one. So you have to have a permit even to then shop it around. So before anyone even purchases a franchise, you have to have that permit. So then you're spending money, you know, like we were getting permits for like New York, like the Northwest, California, Hawaii. Like we, we were tr- having to 
figure out where we thought people may want to franchise and get those permits. So you are just like spending, you're just throwing money out the door. So honestly, when it comes down to it, that's my big reason for you to license instead of franchise. Now, it, when you license, you should be doing the same things that you do when you franchise. We have an insane book. Like we do have a franchise, by the way, Unique Markets Portland. This amazing woman, Heidi, is the one franchisee that we did before COVID. And so she, you know, uses that book. She uses everything that we sent her. And then she has direct connection to me at all times, 24-7, to help her make decisions. The way franchising work is, you, you know, you purchase, you buy into and own the brand for your region. It's about regions. So she owns the brand for her region, which is Portland and area. Then every year she's giving X percentage of profits. Now, because of that was before the world changed. Now that the world has changed, we've had to tweak it a little bit. And so what she'll be doing is every time she has an event, mm -hmm. she then just gives us that percentage of those profits because we're not able to have a normal business. But it's been great. And the thing is, the value that I get from it isn't so much the money. Although, yes, from a business perspective, you want to be able to have this passive income, right? But it's not necessarily passive because you are still, you know, making yourself available to the women and men who are buying into your brand and because you want to see them succeed. Because when they succeed, then you'll make a little bit more. But it's not that. It's like the fact that Heidi is now in Portland and every time she has an event, she's had two events. She, it's just like, I can see the joy. It's the same joy that I get of having the markets. You know, she's becoming a leader in her community and she's helping all these other small businesses. So like, that's the impact that it really truly brings. But I do believe, you know, in your industry, because we're in events, in your industry, which is beauty and on the fly beauty, like this is an amazing, I mean, you're going to be able to have passive income. You're going to be able to really bring in and raise your revenues while at the same time helping these people all over the country who buy into it. So I do think this is a fantastic idea for you. I think that you should definitely license. And then if you haven't worked with a lawyer yet, like it's worth the money. I would contact a lawyer and just talk to them about like the paperwork what things do you have to have ready for a potential licensee and then do it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very tricky too, because it's also like that thing where like, it's me and my heart, it's in the business. Like I'm mm -hmm. making relationships with influencers and I'm doing this and I'm doing the social media and I'm posting and like, it's what I love, but you can tell the difference between like an employee who just works for me. She's not trying to run a flybrow. She's just trying to like show up on her days of work because also for her, it's a good day of work. You know, I pay my artists about 450 to 650 on one day. Yeah. Like that's a good day of work. And, yeah. you know, so it's a, so I, that makes me feel good too. Like I'm providing, it's like, if I do well, they do well. Yes. So I would say for you, I can already, I can already tell with a couple of the things that you've said for you, the thing that's going to be probably the most challenging, because you can contact a lawyer, you can put together your brand book, you know, the most challenging thing is going to be the learning to let go. 
once you, once you license. There's a reason why you're an entrepreneur, because you like to do things yourself. So you're going to have to learn to let go because when you do, they're going to, trust me, they're going to run with that. And they're also going to, while they are becoming leaders and entrepreneurs in their own right, they're still going to very much look up to you as a mentor the way that you look up to your mentors. The money will be coming in. The other thing is the time and attention that you put into social media, into making relationships with influencers. You have to remember that at the end of the day, that will all come back to you. You're not going to see it right away, but like, yes, you're right. I can see how you're like, because I do the same thing. You know, I'll, I'm posting to Instagram and I'm doing all these things. And then it's just like, oh, it's my baby. But you have to learn to let go of that feeling of like that territorialism of like, it's my baby. Because now in order to scale and grow, you have to let other people run with it. Totally. And I do want to share it. I mean, I think ultimately, like in my heart, that's why I'm, I'm doing Flybrow Academy. Like when I'm working on some other things, I mean, passive income is the word of the day, of course, like that's something we're a service only business right now. And that is also what is super exhausting. Mm -hmm. I am working on some projects and some products. Um, I have a template of our pencil. Oh my God, that's amazing. So that could be a thing soon. And then I have um, a lamination subscription kit. Yes. Okay. See, this is okay. This excites me because you're thinking about long-term, not just short-term. And that, that's the whole thing. The problem with most people is they think short-term. So when you introduce your product line and when you introduce these things, this all goes into the licensing. Yes. So you really, I'm like excited to watch you grow because you really need to, I can already envision this, but you have to get over that thing fast in order to do this, Susie. I mean it because you should have people in every single state, in every single big city, in every single small city. So it's like, get them in, give them the skills. Yes, you are teaching them. You are giving your expertise to them for free, but they are then going to become a licensed practitioner and part of the Flybrow community. It's like yoga studios. Tell me if you think this is wrong. The way that I saw it is that they would first take my online course to see if the way, you know, if I'm the person they would want to even like learn from or, and then if they were interested, then they would do a Flybrow certification, which would be like another level. Got it. That's interesting because in the world of courses, which everyone is doing now, Thank you, COVID. Everyone is an expert. Everyone has a course. In the world of courses, it is smart to always offer something that is tangible to everyone. Like something that, like, so in other words, what I'm saying is free. It's smart to offer something free so that they can then see you as an expert, right? So like for me, I have this podcast. I don't actually have a course, but I am going to be filming one soon, like a whole series of workshops. Thank goodness I have established myself as an expert through the years. So I have a community. So you're going to be slowly building that community. I think you should offer something that's free or something that is of value that gets people in because they need to understand that you are someone that can offer that value. Then maybe you have the course that people pay for, but I'm not sure because part of me is like, part of me really thinks that you should offer the freebies, offer some really good like business, you know, tips, like have that stuff as the kind of gateway in. But I think that your course should be part of that academy. Like with Dermatologia, 
Wait, yeah, I'm like, wait, I said that wrong. Isn't their whole thing like they educate, but no, then but they charge for some of the they charge for classes. It's like a beauty college, and you go and you right. sign up for each because class. you get certified, and having that certification is important to studios and and places. So what you're doing is very similar. You need to charge for that academy for all of the education that you're giving them. But once they're done that, I believe that then they are ready to be licensees of you. So I think that it's a smaller, like you're going for a smaller number because it's, it's quality, not quantity here. So I think that actually everyone who takes the course, it's because they are interested in, in the final product, which is becoming a licensed practitioner and seeing the value of at the end of this course that you're going to do, you are then able to do this, this, and this. I mean, that's just what I think. Yeah, no. So I think that's a good idea. I could sell the initial course. They take the course, but then in order to become Flybrow certified, I could maybe do something like in LA in person for free. That's interesting because the, the world is going to slowly start to open up a little bit, which I think helps for the future. But I also, I'm going to be realistic and also understanding that a lot of Americans are not going to get the vaccine, which presents a huge problem. So I think if there is a way for you to try to do this virtually or, or you go to where they are, and they pay for that expense, you know, or yes, they can, or they fly to LA and they pay for that expense. But that does put a little bit of a hitch in things in the current climate. Right. I get that. I guess yeah. I could do it online. I have a lot of footage. We just shot three days of Academy footage. So like I have a lot to show examples of brows and things to do, not to do. And I could do like a live zoom or something. I don't know. I don't really know how to how to take it from just that initial class to the next step. But I also, I'm just worried about losing them. So like if you are an artist and you buy the class and you decide you already run your own spa or salon mm -hmm. and you don't want to necessarily be a flybrow in your city, then you just bought the class and you just go back and do brows in your salon. Right. No, this is the thing that differentiates you. And also they can learn from other people for that. Yeah, for sure. No, like not going to learn from the best but they can find other people to learn from. What you need to do is sell the course as part of the license. I believe this is what separates you. And again, kind of goes back to what I just said, like quality over quantity. You know, all you need is one Heidi. <laughs> like, you know, truly. But we don't want, you know, we want 50. We want more for you. You're, this industry is ripe and ready for this. Like, you know, so I would prefer to see you grow in, again, on your website, offering some freebies that are fun, that establish you and, uh, you know, as an expert, but it's sign up for this course. And it, it's less about signing up for the course, actually. It's still Flybrow Academy, but it's like you are signing up to become a licensee. Right. To own your area. And this is important because the other thing is I do believe you you do have to think of that part of the franchising as very valuable. So like, you know, you don't necessarily want, and this is all stuff that you have to think about ahead of time because it's in the, all the legal paperwork and everything. 
you know, Los Angeles is a very big city. Yeah. Do you want a number of, you know, do you want a number of people to represent LA or do you want just one? And it's important to think about this stuff ahead of time because at the end of the day, like if it is just one, that person is like just raking the money in and at a certain point when they cannot do it themselves, which is exactly the point that you're in, what happens is they will probably then potentially hire staff. I mean, those, I want them to do that. Yes. And those, sta- those employees have to get trained through the same program. They're not the owner, but they're, they're still getting all of the training. So this is like you start to see the ecosystem of it. And it's like, yes, yeah, so having one person in Atlanta but there, I mean, Atlanta is very similar to LA. It's a very large place with like many different neighborhoods. One person like owns the Atlanta region because they're just going to start as they start to figure it out and make those relationships. And again, many of those relationships are already made because of you. Like if you have a relationship with Keels, right? They can potentially do a pop up at Keels in Atlanta. Like. This is that was my all. idea to, to feel yes. would be the, the key to every city, but I just don't want to go to every city. I'm tired. Yes. No, no, no. You can't. You can't in order to scale. I've already been through it. So we know what you're going to do there. Do you have another like question that you want me to help you with? So um, one of the things I always sort of thought is um, to have like one flagship location. So we are mobile. That is like what I love. Uh-huh. And, but I do think that like our storefront is our Instagram is sort of how I see it. If you want to know what we're about and what our work looks like and where we go and locations, like you go to our Instagram, that's the storefront. Mm-hmm. But there's a little part of me that thinks like growing into one flagship storefront could be a good idea. And that's where we launch all the other mobile places from. But I just don't know if I'm going again, like it's especially in COVID, everyone keeps asking <laughs> here we get the more they keep saying like, are you ever going to have a a place of your own? And I'm sort of like, no, it's not something I've wanted. So I'm going to give you this piece of advice. It's interesting because of the current climate too. So like my aunt, it's so, the answer is changing in my head every second, you know? I will say this. I think that retail locations and brick and mortar locations are very self-serving And I say that in that I think a lot of people who do them think that it's going to be a good idea. I think there is this romantic relationship to having a location, which maybe society, we just need to get over because, and if anything is showing us that, it's COVID. Things are going to change. Like virtual reality is going to become a thing. Like this is actually going to happen now. So To me, when anyone says that they want to open a retail location and all of the past business owners that I know who have done that, usually they say like, yeah, I kind of regret doing that. First of all, it's a huge expense, huge expense, because you're not only renting now a space, but there are also like water, power, cleaning, like the staff. There's so many things that you have to think about. The insurance like these are all things that I, I deal with because I have a building. So you have to think about those things. And at the end of the day, the reason why you are a smart and very lucrative business right now is because you make money. Yeah. What happens when you enter something that starts sucking money out of the bank account is like you are no longer as lucrative. So even though I know your clients 
are all probably asking, like, and it, I'm going to use Drybar as a great example because at the very beginning, Ali Webb, I, like, I believe that she started by doing her friend, like, she started by being a client service business. Yes. She would right? go to people's homes. Exactly. The difference is she had two co-founders. She had, there are three co-founders, her husband, her ex-husband, and her brother. Her brother was in advertising and branding, so that's fantastic, and, and her husband, and lots of capital and investment. So I'm going to throw out there that, like, she was able to grow. I also think it was the right time, and that was over, you know, that was, I don't know how many years ago, 15 years ago. So now I do not believe that it would be as successful. Okay, so I appreciate changed. that, because honestly, that's how I feel too, and... COVID taught me that we stayed alive because we didn't have overhead. I got to yeah. sit at my house at my kitchen, like where yes. I am now. I could figure out companies that needed our help. What we have is very loyal clients and we have foot traffic. Cause then I could figure out how I could, how we could partner and I could save their business and they could save yes. mine. Do not open your own space. And, and good. I'm glad you're on board with that. Just because a customer says like, it's so important to pay attention to your customers and the feedback that they're giving. Yeah. But just because customers kind of want you to do that, it doesn't mean that you should. That one's a big one because, you know, customers don't understand economics and business. So they're like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I could just drive to Beverly Hills and get this done? But no, it wouldn't be great because then my business dies. Right. The key to your success is the mobility. And that's what you built the business on, the relationships. And then the key to growing and scaling is letting go and giving others all the tools. So then I have one more question. Okay. I, I feel very in the business and I know this is part of the letting go piece, which is like a lot of the clients book me because they want, they, like, even if we're both available, I book really fast and yes. then the other artist doesn't always book. And I'm trying to build them in the mm -hmm. social media as the other artists that they're trained by me. We're yes. both the same. But I do feel both, A, that's how I make money by people signing up for me. And B, yep. I do have trouble stepping away. Like I will pop up a girl all by herself at a pop-up, but it doesn't book like it books when I'm also there. Right. So I'm sharing the screen now. Can you see that? Yes. Yeah, so you're about to show me how bad my website is. <laughs> No, actually, as I'm looking over at Heidi, the producer now, because it's actually amazing compared to other websites that we've seen. Well, it's basically no. our old model. So it's pre-COVID. You already know what you need to do. So I think you asking me that is just you giving yourself like the push that you need, I think. Like you're asking because you already know. So currently it says founder artists, but it's just you. Yeah. On the page. So, so... Number one thing you need to do is add the different artists because then they're being, you know, pushed up. And then if you're doing it on social, that's great. I think you should do it more like introducing them. We do it in a newsletter. So we sent you a couple right. copies of our newsletter. Anytime you can book someone, the pictures yeah. of either artist are there each time. Right. So that's if, so that's if the people are already in your community because they're getting the newsletter, they're getting, right? But so you need to do it more on social where, where you are converting people to then be in your community and paying customers. So do that more and you will still be the face and you will still be the owner, but what you will start to do is put more time and energy into, into promoting all the other amazing people that are doing it. Also, that gives you diversity. 
So throwing that out there too, which can only add benefit. So yeah, that's my last piece of advice. I hope all of this helped. Thank you. I so appreciate it. Yay. In today's top takeaways, franchising versus licensing. This is a really important topic that doesn't get talked about enough. Franchising is very much a buzzword that a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs are familiar with, but it comes with a lot of costs, legal fees, and just a lot of work. It could be a great option for you. However, you should also investigate licensing. Very, very similar things, and it has similar results, but you need to understand the differences between both. Keep your options open. Point number two, before anyone sets up a brick and mortar or a retail location, you have to think through your motivations and if this is actually going to move the needle for your business or cause you more headache, cost, and well, even unknown problems like hmm, a global pandemic. So the thing is, when you open a location, you now have rent, utilities, maintenance fees. What if someone tags the front of your building with graffiti and you have to get that cleaned? There are constantly expenses coming up, not to discount even the build out and the design of the interior of that space. So again, there's a lot of costs that come with having a retail location and you really have to write a pros and cons list of whether or not this truly pushes the needle forward on your business. Whereas for Flybrow, for instance, being mobile means that she can adapt and change very, very quickly. Having a location means you're stuck in one place and tied and committed to a lease. Maybe not so great for certain types of businesses. Takeaway number three, this one is a huge one. The customer is not always right. <gasps> Shocking, I know. So it's important to listen to customers, get feedback, ask for comments, ask for ways that you can improve your business or your services. However, Customers do not know the ins and outs of your business. They don't know the economics. They don't know if it's one person behind the curtain or five. So they don't have all of the knowledge to make a good business decision. So while a customer may make a suggestion like, I would love dresses in this color, or you should start your own makeup line, they don't know the economics and the work that it would take to produce those things. If it's not part of your original business plan, you probably shouldn't do it. So again, you wanna listen to feedback and take into consideration what customers advise, but don't hold yourself to them. And the last takeaway is learn to let go, especially for all of the founders listening out there. Sometimes the only way to scale is to let go of things that you are doing yourself and to hire other people. It also could mean taking a step back and instead of scaling large and fast, take the time to think about are you growing the right way, not the fastest way. And remember that you need other people. It takes a village, y'all. 
You need other people to help you build your company. No one, no one can do it all alone. If SOS has helped your business, I would love to hear from you. The best thing that you can do to help spread the word about this podcast is give us a five, once again, that's five star rating, and remember to leave a review. Honestly, that's probably the best way that more people will discover this great podcast. Also, remember to tell your friends. Follow me on Instagram at Sonia Rasula. That's S-O-N-J-A-R-A-S-U-L-A. And you can follow my business at Unique Markets. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, make sure to follow. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening.